Hello. Hello. Hello, and welcome to episode seven of the D50 Shades of D&D podcast. I am Todd, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Rick. Hey. And James. Hello, everybody. This is part one of our two-part season finale. I'm not exactly sure what a, a season to us means. Uh, we kind of just make things up as we go along. I, I mean, uh, the executive decision to end the season came down from upper management and the board of directors. And so this is the two part. I heard it wasn't a unanimous vote, though. Yeah, it, yeah. there was. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we decided to do a two part uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics segment because, you know, we like to ramble on about it in every other episode. Absolutely. So we might as well dedicate two episodes of the season finale to it. Yeah, so, I mean, if, if if any episode is ever going to go over, it's it's going to be this one. Also, if any of us are biased uh, towards anything, it's this episode. Yeah, so yeah. lean back, get yourself a cold beverage and... Uh, a bag of Cheetos. Beep. Oh, absolutely, a bag <laughs> of Cheetos. But don't touch my books. <laughs> so, let's go goodman games goodman games the publisher of dungeon crawl classics has been around since 2001 dang uh i don't know if we have bronchosaurus rex on our list of games to review in the coming years it, it might be number 51 on the list so it might <laughs> it might just miss the cut yeah uh, no, there are there is DCC material for that now, so yeah. uh, I hear it's an officially supported uh, Goodman Games. Well, there's uh, there's Dinosaur Crawl Classics, so you know, yeah, you name it. There's a Crawl Classics for it. Yeah, so Goodman Games has been around since 2001. Yep. Uh, the Dungeon Crawl Classics line of adventure modules has been around since 2003. And somewhere... We should probably pause and explain that for folks that might not be familiar with DCC. Is like, wait, so they were publishing modules for the game before it came out? Oh, yeah, that's true. So it was a line of adventure modules for third edition D&D and then later for 3.5 D&D, and then eventually for 4th edition D&D. That all and, tried to capture their earlier edition feel uh, of, yeah. of Dungeons & Dragons, but you know, using the more modern rules. Right, yeah. and then maybe taking a nod from what some companies like Paizo did, uh, they decided to branch off and just create their own Dungeon Crawl Classics role-playing game. Right. In 2000, which came out in 2012. That's interesting. I would be uh, hesitant to ask, but interested to know if that had any bearing on uh, Joe's decision to spin up his own game. What, uh, Paizo, the, the Paizo, Paizo did? Yeah, the, the Paizo Pathfinder move. If that, if that like, lended any weight or, or uh, decision, uh, power behind the decision to, to make DCC RPG. I know uh -huh. he's uh, he stated that you know just he was so sick and tired of doing the stat blocks for you know three three X that you know I think that was an inspiration as well. They were one of the few companies that Wizards actually let do supplements. Yeah, for fourth yeah. edition. Yeah, D and D. Yeah, to be to be fair, there there wasn't many companies willing to do supplements for four E other than Goodman Games. But I, I will say this, the fourth edition supplements by Goodman Games 
uh, were fantastic. Uh, oh, the, 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 Stroke, Doug Kovac, yeah, the Punjar stuff alone, yeah. you know, well worth, uh, and you can get it at a very reasonable price too. So, so in 2012, they put out the Dungeon Crawl classic role playing game, which when I opened Gateway Games in 2011, early on I had a poster. I, I think there's still a there's a faded. Yeah. Dungeon Crawl Classics poster in the front window from when they sent it out. And I was kind of a, a excited about it. So so I'm going to back up a little bit and talk about my personal history with Goodman Games product. And then you guys can pitch in too. So I remember going into a game store up in the Dayton, Ohio area. And that's where I clearly first saw an Errol Otis cover on a new gaming product. And I'm like, what is this? And I started looking and they had Dungeon Crawl Classics adventure module. And I nabbed a couple of them. It was exactly what I was looking for at the time as far as running third edition. And uh, I, I don't know if 3.5 was out yet. At the very least, I wasn't playing it yet. So I, I started uh, getting their adventure modules. And I think maybe eventually realized that some of the supplements, the, the complete guides, that they did before that. I, maybe I picked up a couple, you know, complete guide to drow books that they did, but I, I don't remember paying much attention to those. But the DCC adventure module line, I absolutely loved and started buying them up whenever I saw them. And eventually by 2008 or 2009, when I was running a D&D 3.5 meetup at that same game store, for two years, I ran nothing but those Dungeon Crawl Classics modules, nice. starting with uh, Number Zero was out by then, because yeah. Number Zero actually came out a few years after Number the way One they came do. out. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> it actually had what could have been. I, I, I don't have all their modules memorized, but that one you were clearly zero level characters starting out in a funnel type situation, and we'll get to the funnel. Yeah. Here shortly. Uh, so Rick, you want to talk about? I do remember buying uh, one of the uh, the early DCC uh, modules. I think it was a reprint, and they they reprinted it with a special price. And I was out of town. I was at a game store because you know I like to do that when I'm out of town is go to like local game stores and and check like uh, you know maybe discover something uh, cool and new. And the guy at the counter kind of pushed it on me. He said, hey, have you seen these? And he kind of like, they had a, a stack of them there at the register. Uh, I think it was number five. Uh, it, was a, it was a reprint uh, and it had a new like banner sticker on it. It said like only $199. Um, and I said, you know, everything about it looked like something I would like. So of course I took it. And that was kind of my first exposure to like Goodman or uh, or DCC for sure. Uh, I know at some point I joined the mailing list because I still have the email that first alerted me to the Dungeon Crawl Classics role-playing game. And I think that's dated like January 6, 2011. And it says introducing the Dungeon Crawl Classics role-playing game. Had a link to go to, to their website. Uh, from there, I joined the forum. And the rest, I guess, is, you know, just continued. That was pre-beta. So uh, I was involved on the forums and the discussions about Joseph Goodman would do these like posts about 
this is how we're going to approach this, or this is how we're going to approach that. What do you guys think? And there was a very spirited debate about, as you can imagine, about just about everything about the game. I remember being very pro there. The discussion was how to do like thieves uh, skills. And I think initially he was going to do percentile dice like uh, uh, AD&D one he did. And there was a lot of blowback from it. People that wanted to make it consistent with like third edition. And uh, well, let's just say I lost that argument because uh, I thought if you don't use percentile dice, you're not really honoring all the funky dice, right? If you only use percentile dice, uh, when you during character generation and not during actual play, it just seems to be it's like shoving it aside. So, but that's probably a story for another part of this segment, James. So, my first experience, uh, I think, is very similar. I walked into a local game store, uh, which was near the college I went to at the time. Uh, it was the 3 0 boom, and I had just started DMing DD uh, 3.0 and for my college friends. And really, it was the first time I got to play DD with someone other than my mom. Um, and uh so i was uh a young dm looking for content so i was always a a, a pretty big fan of the older like um dnd stuff than what they were producing at the time and i would go over to like a friend's house and and rifle through his second edition stuff and uh some of his older first edition stuff and was always like man why why is the content that's being produced not like this? When I was at the game store, I saw the Goodman Games modules and I was like, oh my gosh, this is like, this is what I'm looking for. This is, this is in the style of the older stuff. Uh, so I bought a few, uh, I, I think several modules actually uh, from them and uh, loved the artwork. Uh, I think there were, I had one with Earl Otis uh, on, on the cover and uh i'm pretty sure i'm pretty certain i had a harley stroh module that involved kobolds i can't remember exactly which one it was but uh i remember actually really thinking that was a particularly good module and uh my players they really weren't into it that much uh <laughs> they they did not like uh dungeon crawls really <laughs> um, you probably should have brought your mom back into the game Absolutely. You know what, mom, mom would have appreciated the classics for sure. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I was super interested in that and my players weren't. So I kind of let it go a little bit and, you know, I would, I would just check in every now and then to see what, you know, what they were producing. And, uh, I heard about the DCC beta, uh, and I downloaded it and was like, wow, this is one very, very different than uh <laughs> what i was running at the time which was three five and also like just a breath of fresh air of like it, it was you know new ideas uh being applied to old concepts uh yeah i was super excited about it but could not get my hands on the beta uh, a physical copy of the beta uh at the time and then i heard about a little game store on the east side here and uh, Eastgate uh, called Gateway Games and More. And I was like, wow, I thought I'd heard of every game store in the area. And uh, as I pulled up to the first time, I saw a slightly faded 
Doug Kovacs, uh, Sailors on the Starless Sea poster. Uh, it might not window. have been that faded at the time. <laughs> yeah, it was It was probably actually fairly new at the time. And uh, I was like, this is the store. This, this is, you know. So um, that's when I first met Todd. So I'm pretty sure the first time I met Rick is he was running the chain coffin play test. Would that be correct? No. Really? No. Uh, it was uh, tangentially uh connected to dcc more to mcc mutant crawl classics oh, okay because i followed jim wampler over here to be a part of his mutant crawl classics uh play test uh which featured uh, was here in this store so of course you were a part of it and james smith that's how i met both of you guys yeah which would have been the first time we were all three in the same room together yep, yep. yeah this is true for sure unlike today during the uh well, pandemic we got two of the three yeah two of us are in the friendly confines of the gateway games and more the recently refurbished complex. uh studio which again i'm really digging the uh the uh the the the, the polished brass yeah. you know very so cool. uh, so what is this mythical dungeon crawl classics game the the first thing i noticed about it was the dice all yeah. of a sudden, the weird dice that were in the bins that you would see at Gen Con, that everybody wanted one. Yeah. Everybody wanted them, but nobody really used or them. Or the for ads anything. that you had seen in Dragon Magazine. Yeah. You know, it's a like D7. They make a D7? You know, D3, kind of a D5, yeah. a D14, you the D30 D16, was crazy. D24. Right. Uh, I had a D30. Name them all, Todd. Name them all. Yeah, I had a D30 <laughs> in the 80s. Uh, oh, I still got my uh, armory, uh, you know, with oh, the, uh, yeah, yeah, I still got it. So in, in the 80s, I would use the D D30 for uh, tougher ability score checks. It's yeah. like roll yeah. under your dexterity on this D30, yeah. which kind of brings us to the dice chain, basically, and, and what a lot of the dice are sometimes used for in dungeon crawl classics yeah i think it's clear that we're all uh very much pro funky dice uh, uh you really can't like be a long-standing dungeon crawl classic fan without i think having come to like it if you didn't love it from the first place but it was very divisive a lot of people did not like it a lot of people complained that they couldn't find the dice or they didn't understand you know uh, they sat thought it was like an unnecessary step um I've never felt that way, but uh, I, I definitely saw a lot of blowback against it. And uh, I admire Joseph for sticking to his guns. And, uh, you know, the dice have become, I think, largely due to him, have become much easier to find. And it's not uncommon yeah. to go into like a game store and see them available. And you can certainly uh, find them much easier online. And I think that's, uh, that applies outside the United States, too. I think it was Jim Wampler. Jim Wampler said uh, one day that the the freshness that he felt when he played DCC, part of it was he you regain that feeling of having funky dice in front of you. Oh, absolutely! That you'd never seen before, yeah. before, never used before. It's like when you first sat down to play your first D and D game. You were like, what are all these dice? Oh, yeah. Fascinated by a D20. It's like, look at that. You yeah. Know? And that feeling, you get that feeling again, sitting down with DCC for the first time. Or it's seeing like, a, D2, a D D4 and like that, that's a die that rolls. That, yeah. You know, yeah. You know, 
and you get that same feeling you look at the d3 and you're like oh yeah what's this yeah rock paper scissors dice going yeah. in front of me exactly i yeah i also like the the kind of wanton uh punk rock aesthetic to uh the use of those in that like people regularly point out like oh this d7 is not as good uh percentage as this other die you know that is a, a step below it uh or above it and my my favorite thing about dcc is it doesn't care it, yeah. It, yeah it's like so what uh <laughs> i there's so there is so much of a um old school like uh you know throw caution at the wind let's just have fun and use our imagination as well as a punk rock you know i don't give a <laughs> uh you know uh attitude so my my view on that and speaking of old uh let's uh, as in old school but focusing on old um so the dice that i first got for uh, dungeons and dragons were the ones that came with a crayon uh, from the box sets and they wore down very quickly. So I'm sure that those dice were far less accurate than, uh, than the accusations that are being put across the dungeon crawl classics, the, the, the funky dice. So it really didn't matter. I mean, I never remember any of the dice favoring like high rolls over low rolls. I mean, it's just, maybe they were, but I just wasn't that interested in being that, you know, this is not Vegas, um, where yeah. there's like thousands, if not millions of dollars on the line, and those dice have to be that precise. It was just about having fun and, and BSing with your friends. So I've never really worried about whether a dice rolls true or not. That's, I hear that all the time. Big, hairy deal. That being said, I'll just throw out that like, and this is another thing I love about the system, is that the funky dice aren't necessary to play the game uh you can totally you can totally throw out the dice chain as a concept or even limit it to the normal polyhedrals and the system works just fine yes you're gonna have to like add some pluses and minuses here and there um or ignore some numbers on a dice yeah. Or ignore some numbers on a dice or do something funky with a D6 plus a D20 or, or a D10 and a D20. There are a lot of ways to overcome that. I designed something to run DCC off of a pamphlet and it doesn't use funky dice. Would that be a so, pamphlet crawl classics, James? Uh, yeah, yeah, which isn't really a thing. But no. uh, that, that will be a six part. We'll have a whole season. Dedicated no, the pamphlet no, from classics. No, we will not. We will not. No. That's <laughs> abort. So let's uh, talk. About, let's talk about the dice chain a little bit. Yeah. So in, uh, especially in most editions of D and D in the last twenty plus years, you get pluses to everything you do. You know, your plus three to hit, your plus eight to hit, your plus nine to hit. Uh, or conversely or minus, minus. Two. Yeah. yeah yeah in dungeon crawl classics instead of piling on you know the bonuses or penalties you go up and down the dice chain sure so instead of trying to succeed rolling a d20 uh, if you have some sort of advantage you get to roll the d24 or maybe the d30 
or to penalize you, you might have to roll a D16 or D14. So, for example, the way it works in the game is like if you're using a two-handed weapon for initiative, you roll a D16. Um, so, because that that uh, is saying like because your weapon is larger and doesn't move as quickly as say a dagger does, you know, uh, that there should be uh, it understood that you know there's a small penalty involved. And so, I think that's a that's always been I thought a very elegant solution was to use the D16 when I remember to enforce it as a judge because I forget all the freaking time. Yeah, and then as also, I'm sure anybody that's ever played at my table can testify, including you guys. And then also when you're dual wielding, so the halfling yeah, can dual yeah, yeah, wield yeah. with two D16s. Right. And that's, is the only class that can crit, uh, you know, on a, by rolling the 16 on a D16. Because otherwise, I think any other character that rolls a D16, you know, they can hit, but they can't crit on a D16. Or it's, the automatic, it's the automatic hit. Right. Halflings and DCC are just little murder hobos that just can... Is it not glorious? Oh my gosh! You just—I. What other game would you rather play a half? I mean, you could really say that about every class for me. Uh, DCC I've established is—I'd rather play. You name the class, I'd rather play the DCC version than just about any other game. I'd rather judge DCC than DM any other game. So, uh, if you hear me like uh, on when we get to likes and dislikes, if you hear me start to pile up on the dislikes. Remember, it's still my favorite game. Yeah. So uh, the, the, the history of DCC, uh, Joseph Goodman went back to the original source material of And let's, of not, let's not count out like the other people that were involved in this, but you know, Doug Kovacs right. deserves a huge share. Harley Stroh, Michael Curtis, Dieter yep. Zimmerman, even though he won't acknowledge it, you know, yes. take that Dieter. So they went back and reread uh at least all the major books from appendix n in the ad and d dungeon master's guide and using game design advances of the last 30 plus years they wanted to design a game that better emulated the appendix n stories than they felt dungeons and dragons did it at the time yep which is a cool yeah. take yeah, I mean, uh, Which, you know, we could debate all day as to whether or not they actually succeeded at that. But what they did <laughs> yeah. succeed at was making a wonderfully fun role playing game. They sure did, and in some I, ways, because of uh, they 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 succeeded beyond their wildest dreams, and in some in some cases because they failed spectacularly, but failed in a way that you know they they failed forward to use a popular concept. Uh, that's uh, usually applied to more modern role-playing games, but uh, uh, there's, I mean, it's it's my favorite role-playing game because of their successes, and it's my favorite because of the way they failed to. I mean, where they stated a goal, and you know, I I think if you looked at it objectively, they didn't succeed, but at the same time, it made it better anyway. Right. I I think I'll I'll like tastefully disagree. Uh, Wait, no, no, no. We've been told we agree too much, so there is no yeah. disagreeing. Yeah, no, no, seriously. No, like, go ahead. Rock on with your I, disagreement. I think they absolutely accomplished the goal of basing this game around Appendix N in the just by the very fact that they emphasize it so heavily throughout the book uh, and also by mixing in the, the artwork. I mean, so, so one of the things that people focus on on DCC, I think probably... Uh, 
too much is the rules in that I think the artwork or the size of the book, that's what they focus on. Well, that too, but the the artwork itself does more, I think to influence how the game is played and the material that is in the game than the rules do. And this book is the most beautiful book I've ever, that I own. Like there is so much black and white artwork and color now and in now editions uh, or not editions. Yeah. The uh, uh, front piece and the uh, the covers are absolutely amazing. And, and the module covers, of course, this is, this is James's sneak preview into the likes section oh, well, of the program yeah, i'm pretty well, sure we're sure. all gonna like I, you know i will go deep i will dive go into, into that specific art uh in the likes but what i want to say really is that the artwork and the choices of content like including androids as a monster mm-hmm. including you know art that that captures a 70s feel um throughout the piece yeah i think makes by literally make using it, some of the artists that were big in the 70s Absolutely. And, it, and by doing that, what it, and, and mentioning Appendix N, it, may, it makes a community of people who, who get the aesthetic of the game and what they're going for, and therefore make games like that source material that, they're, that, the, that the artwork is showing. Um, I, I think they did absolutely accomplish making a system that uh, focuses on uh, Appendix N literature. And does that does that apply that to fun. actual gameplay though? As I mean, far as like in as your experience, as, when you sit down at, at a table to either run or play the game, do you feel that the the gameplay yeah. reflects so, Appendix N uh, a heavy in I, Appendix N influence? I think I think more than any other game. First, second, yes, because it, it this is one of those systems that the game reflects the person running it very highly, and the community is fairly cohesive in its in its um, culture. That yeah. that community word is going to come up many times during this discussion. I'm a, I'm assuring you. Yeah. I, I've never, I mean, I've never been a part of a community of any other game that was like DCC or as strong and vibrant. Um, it's just no such an amazing, amazing community. So what are your thoughts on, uh, so the class as race? So in Dungeon Crawl Classics, it kind of went back to the older concept. It got away from the third edition, 3.5. You can be a half orc, half elf. Thief, you can be a anything, thief, anything. Mage, assassin, yeah. bard, mm-hmm. and it went back to like basic D and D. A halfling is a halfling. Yeah. A dwarf is a dwarf. An elf is an elf. Right. And then humans can be fighters, thieves, wizards, and clerics. Yeah. I'm of differing minds. Uh, like I, the the whole the the concept. Uh, I, I'm not a huge fan of but I love how it plays out mechanically. One of the things I do like mechanically is that halflings uh, aren't just hobbits. They're much more interesting than that. They're little murder hobos that uh, are particularly good at dual wielding uh, hatchets or, or daggers. And, and uh, luck batteries. Don't forget that. Yeah. The luck. Well, the, luck, the luck battery concept of the halfling. So halflings uh, for people who aren't familiar halflings, DCC has the concept of luck, which is another core thing that I absolutely love about DCC. 
Um, and halflings can give other people luck, uh, and they're the only class that can do that. Elves are are not just like tree hugging, long eared people. They they you know they are fey that like can both be uh, insanely good at fighting, but also a, a wizard uh, with that starts out with summon patron. Um, uh, uh, or patron bond rather. Uh, when I first read uh, when I first read about the elves, I remember like my first impression was the iron uh, vulnerability, you know, to so uh, could not use like uh, iron weapons because you know it it literally does damage to them. But then they come out of the gate. I mean, like when you have a first level elf, you have. You have a character that has mithril weapons or mithril armor, and yeah. I thought, how cool is that? They're 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 just a little creepy and strange. And again, like the 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 iron, you know, that is such a literature influence, right? On 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 the mechanics Very of much the so. game. Yeah, uh, dwarves smelling gold is one of my favorites. Absolutely uh, brilliant. <laughs> the fact that you don't I love that it doesn't require roll. Nope. It's just. It just happens. You know the direction where treasure is as a dwarf, and so I, I think because of that, it gives the 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 class of such flavor that it makes it it makes that concept even better than it is in basic. The D fourteen shield bash, you know, it's just again and again. It's like every class they have. It's I'd rather play that than than play that class in any other game. Or race, I've never been sad playing a race as a class in DCC. Yeah. So, so back to the elves for a second. For some reason, whenever I play an elf in Dungeon Crawl Classics, the look and the name of the character is based off of 80s hair metal bands. So all yes. my elves have big hair yeah. and flashy clothes. Yeah, feather earrings. And for they're, sure. they're named after somebody. Sebastian. In like bon Jovi. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Skid Row. Yeah. yeah, I I I always kind of think Elric, uh, and and uh, I'm sorry, El who Elric? Um, sorry, um, Rick, is that some, you know, what? is that something from the Forgotten Realms? Um, that was on the interview <laughs> exam, Rick. Who <laughs> um talk to HR? Uh, yeah. so you're not talking about Drizzt, are you? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, you're just you know where my good is tied. Wacky fun. <laughs> so let's talk about magic yeah every magic spell has its own chart and it, which is largely responsible for the size yeah, of the book it's the reason for the size of the book yeah and so. the higher you roll well generally speaking in dungeon crawl classics rolling high and rolling low has a bigger effect than almost any other game yeah so Crits, both successes and failures, are a, a huge deal in the game. And then whenever casting a spell, you roll a d20, you add your bonuses or subtract your penalties, and you can have extremely varying, sometimes game-breaking results from, oh, yeah. you know, if you roll a, a crit 20 and that 20, when you're uh, casting a spell, you can just blow things up. Absolutely. A one on the uh, other hand. Uh, so, so one of my favorite pictures in, in the book, based on spells, is that I think there's a Jim Holloway. The late great the, Jim Holloway. Yeah, where they're yeah. fighting the Umber Hulk. Yeah. 
and the magic user is trying to cast the spell yep. and his friend's head gets turned into the head of a chicken. Yep. And that picture says almost all that you need to know about spell casting in Dungeon Crawl. Classics. I think the expression on the elf face in that yeah. picture <laughs> is just gold, Jerry. Gold. I mean, it's just so, <laughs> so. I, I, every time I see it, it makes me smile. So, so let's, talk, let's talk about the magic missile. Let's yeah. talk about the magic missile. How does it work in Dungeon Crawl Classic Stock? So you have to roll just like with every other Heresy. Spell. And if you roll too low, it just doesn't work. In and fact, you, if you crit fail, <laughs> uh, you can blow your buddy's head off. Yep. Or open up a Flojon uh, disturbance and uh, get whisked away to another plane or uh, summon evil <laughs> demons. And let's not forget Mercurial Magic. So your magic missile might have a side effect that every time you cast it, you know, um, the uh, plant life, you know, uh, in 10 yards around you all dies, you know, right. that kind of thing. So uh, also uh, magic missiles don't all look alike. No, there's different no. manifestation. It might be tiny little hand axes flying through the yeah. air. Uh, I think that the book can actually allow you to, pick what that manifestation oh, is but there's also a little random chart and when when rolling to get your effects if you barely succeed like with a 12 uh you it do like one, one magic missile yeah. for one point of damage yeah. Yeah. but what's, what's that not just magic missile but maybe this is a good time to talk about the fact that uh another very sacred concept from dnd is tossed out in in spell casting here advancy and stuff yeah, you yeah. there. This isn't Vancean style magic in that um, if you roll, despite Vance being a part of Pygmy Sin, uh, that's right. I, I I would argue that Vance is still there in the concept of there are only so many yeah. spells and and Dungeons and Dragons as popular. is. I mean, it's popular to call it Vancean, but you know, it's not exactly Vancean now, is it? But that's a no. that's probably a discussion for the Appendix N podcast. Tom, but, were you on that? I was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's we never, we never, I don't know about you, James. I never get asked to be on other podcasts. Uh, and I'm bitter I, about it. <laughs> I, I wish I had more time. Even if I did have more time, I, I'm not asked. So, yeah. um, but yeah. so, so, so overall, one thing to know about magic is you can retain the memory of a spell after you cast it if you roll well enough. And if you don't roll well enough, you lose the spell, uh, just like normal D and D. But the fact that you can keep casting your spells and wizards, uh, you don't have the you don't have the um, you know eighteen minute workday. Exactly, uh, I think that that is like uh, what uh, Goodman and crew uh, did to sort of address the fifteen minute adventuring day. Uh, I think it's also to address the problem of the uh, the magic user or the wizard with a crossbow. I mean, I've cast my one spell for the day. I whip out my crossbow. Now or I'm throw like darts. A, a substandard, throw darts you know, fighter, or throw darts or that kind of thing. So I'm uh, very much pro uh, their choice in that. And I never liked to play wizards or magic users or something like that until DCC came along. And now I, I have, you know, I like to play spellcasters. I like to play wizards, elves, uh, clerics, you name it. Um, largely because of the choices that they made to, uh, to me to fix those classes. And the way that relates to, we were talking about the magic missile spell in particular, yeah. is as long as you roll well 
you can continue to cast magic missile multiple times yep. until you get a result that is 11 or lower. Am I correct? Is it 11 or lower? It, uh, as the spells progress, like second level spells, third level spells, that number goes higher with it. Right. So, but, but also yeah. you get a better bonus on yep. your roll. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, so, so there is still bonuses in the game. It's yep. not all dicing. Yeah. But we talked about the 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 failure and the possible of a crit fail. Uh, James, or if you flip, if you're flipping through the book there, what if I rolled a nat twenty with my first level wizard? What kind of results would I get from the magic missile? Well, number one, remember you get to add your uh, your spell bonus twice if you crit. So if you roll a twenty, your if your spell bonus is what plus three plus four, you get to add it again. Really, you know what? I don't think i ever realized that yeah well, that's why i'm here John. yeah uh rick rick is really good at retaining those rules that i never use you guys uh, always remember about falling damage if you roll a six on the d6 when you're doing falling damage for every six you roll uh the character suffers like a broken ankle or a broken bone and yeah uh, i think it's a uh, temporary or not a permanent, but I think a temporary, uh, they have to lose like a point of strength or agility or stamina because of that. So, also so one what, of my favorite DCC rules. What was the role? The, uh, so a 12 oh, to if you, if you If you rolled a natural 20. On yeah, your, it, on if a first level wizard. Casting your magic missile. Casting your magic missile. Let's say he has a intelligence bonus of plus one. Yep. If he rolls a nat 20. So that would give him a, a 24. Yeah, which I yeah. believe is the minimum required to get that 3D12 uh, where you're not casting a magic missile anymore. You're casting some kind of fantasy bazooka where you, <laughs> rather than like, you know, no more D4s yeah. plus ones, you're talking about 3D12s. I did that in a game that Dieter Zimmerman ran at a convention down in, uh, in Lexington, uh, and it was glorious. It was absolutely, so, you know, uh, that's how we uh, took down the... Uh, well, not fully took down, but that was the Hound of Hero. Uh, we had to still pin him with that spear, but that was uh, that was a large part of it was that massive magic missile. I think James has the the entry. Oh, yeah, James. Yeah, uh, it's it's forty twelve by the way. Forty uh, twelve. Nice. So that, that's a yeah. first. Well, I'm not character. Todd Douglas, so you know I. <laughs> I don't have. <laughs> the caster throws a single powerful missile that does damage equal to 4012 plus caster level. The missile uh, must be aimed at a single target to which the caster has line of sight at a maximum range of a thousand, I guess, feet, could be yards. Uh, the missile never misses, though it may be blocked by certain magic, i.e. magic Huge. shield. Yeah. Um, and it and it goes up from there. So the the other important thing to remember is that in DCC you can burn stats as a wizard, kind of like Gandalf the Gray. Uh, you can you know eat into your stamina in order to. Is there a is there a magic. name for that that particular process that mechanic? That is uh, a name that happens to be the same as a very famous podcast, uh, any <laughs> award winning podcast, I believe, Spellburn. I think I've heard of it. I think I've uh, yeah. I've listened to that. Shout day, out to several our dozen times. Shout out to our Spellbird friends. Yeah, uh, both past and present. Ramble about DCC and jump all over the place, and you just want to hear more about it. Check out Spellburn for sure. I tried to get on that show, but my name doesn't start with a J. So James, you you still you yeah you, you got a chance. Of of the three of us, you're the only one that has a shot. Yeah, 
uh, well, I'm pretty, I'm pretty low in the dice chain there. <laughs> so we are we're talking uh, kind of the, the swinginess of the game, and that is one of the big things. I, I can't think of a role-playing game that has more randomness in it than Dungeon Crawl Classics. Some people absolutely love that. Some people, it drives them away right away. So if you don't like swingy randomness, this might not be the game for you. Swinging randomness. I mean, what 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 says magic to me more than that? I mean, that's what magic yeah. should be. Yeah, it, magic it shouldn't be like a science where you know you know. Okay, I'm going to cast this. It's going to do exactly that. Uh, it's going to you know I know exactly you know that that that's one of the beauties I think of this game is introducing that, especially as it applies to magic. And magic can do very dangerous things. Super dangerous. Good and bad. Yeah, to you. This is where this is where I think actually Harley Stroh and Doug Kovacs' influence on the game comes out. Um, because both I know happen to know that both Doug and Harley are really uh big Warhammer fantasy fans. Uh and the whole idea of corruption that magic corrupts and that if you roll poorly on a roll uh you can risk corruption uh from casting magic all of that comes from uh early british role-playing games like warhammer fantasy you can have tentacles grow out of your face yeah so so and that i i would say warhammer fantasy is a pretty big influence on uh dccrp well they definitely brought uh russ nicholson critical hits, critical uh, hits are very similar the, um, the decision to, to include russ uh, uh i mean how can you not look at his artwork and think of like early british fantasy stuff you know absolutely yes it's fantastic stuff but yeah there's a lot of rules that uh are very similar to uh early british role-playing games so so as i mentioned at the beginning of, of this podcast this is our two-part season finale, and I think uh, we're kind of getting to that point right now. Are we charging double the amount that we normally charge because it's a double We're episode? getting paid double today. Okay, good, good, good. Double oh, our, our usual uh, scale. I don't want to go to my contract, but, you know, I will. I, I, was told, I was told it was time and a half. <laughs> it's, it's double time and a half because it's, well, it's Sunday also. It is a Sunday. Oh, yeah. We record on yeah. Sunday, so yeah. we should get like D5 time and a half. I came out in a pandemic for this, okay? That's so, right. You know. I, I'm going to need to talk to our union steward about this. Uh, <laughs> Leading out of episode one, the, our good advice score, which is actually a, a great little graphic that we have here at the Gateway Games Recording Complex. Uh, he, he actually came to be during a Dungeon Crawl Classics game in which the three points are even more important than in a lot of other games. So as we end part one of the Dungeon Crawl Classics discussion, Good Advice Dwarf wants you to know that you should never split the party. You should never fire into melee. Listen, check for traps, and always smell for gold. <laughs> exactly. Nice. And see ya. Out.